Hello, my name is Joshua Gallinato and welcome to another episode of the Lifelong Learning Podcast. In today's episode, I got the opportunity to talk to Dimitris Gyokas. I came across Dimitris' work from his site, themetalearners.com, where he breaks down different learning concepts and teaches you how to effectively learn how to learn. Being a lover of learning new things, I was immediately drawn to Dimitris' work and I knew that I had to have him on the show. On top of being the founder of The Meta Learners, Dimitris is also the founder of one of the most successful Greek podcasts on self-improvement, The Brain Hacking Academy, and is a core member of Jonathan Levy's Superhuman Academy leadership team. In today's episode, Demetrius and I go deep in conversation on different learning techniques, mental models, and how procrastination almost took a hold of his life. We talk about his past, his addiction to video games, and how he managed to break free from it. For someone who quote-unquote wasted his life away, it's amazing to see how he turned it all around and managed to achieve so much. If you're trying to incorporate a growth mindset and you want to know how to effectively learn how to learn, give this episode a listen. And as always, you can find the show notes over at galleyway.blog forward slash podcast. That's galleyway, G-A-L-I-W-A-Y dot blog forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Demetrius, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very good, Joshua. It's very nice to be here on the air with you. I want to begin just saying thank you for giving me your time. The reason I created this podcast was just so that I can talk to people who I admire and talk about uh, learning concepts and mental modes and things of similar of a similar nature. So thank you very much. You don't even need to thank me. I started, you know, I started blogging and writing and doing this work to actually get to know people and uh, go deeper into concepts and conversations about how to learn. In the beginning, my content was all around learning how to learn and meta-learning, but now I'm expanding to more, I'd call them self-improvement concepts, but in truth, like I think that term carries a little bit of weight with it. So, uh, but but that's, <laughs> that's what it is effectively. So I'm trying to self-improve. I'm trying to talk about it, to learn more about it. And I'm trying to teach as a means to actually grow faster in the space. I was doing a bit of research into you and your life is fascinating. Um, I came across that article on Medium where you talked about your addiction to the internet and gaming. Um, and you were, you were doing, what, 12 to 16 hours straight? Gained about, got, got your weight to 101 kilos. Yeah. Um, can you talk more about uh, your addiction <laughs> to gaming and, and how it just how it uh, changed and, and, and how you've become this person who blogs and talks about personal uh, development. Okay, so I can't believe you found that piece. I wrote that back in uh, 2013, I think. And, yeah, you were 21 or 22? Yeah, I was actually 20. Uh, yeah, I was actually 20. So I was addicted to gaming. Um, People usually don't like when I use that word, but that's exactly what it was. I used to game for more than 16 hours a day, more than that, um, which means that my sleep was messed up. You know, one day I would sleep at noon, the other day I would sleep at night. So I would do days that were going beyond 24 hours just in order to game. And um, I did that for a long, long time. The worst two years were after I got into college. So the first two years I went to another city to study than you know where i grew up so i was alone at home and i would just game all day long world of warcraft was my biggest poison but it wasn't the only one i can tell you and um, it took a lot of seemingly random 
but uh, actually they weren't that random things that happened to get me out of it. And getting from there to here has been a multi-year process. It wasn't something that happened overnight. But in your 12 to 16 hours, you had a goal in mind. You were saying that you were aiming to become a professional esport athlete. So did you did you validate those hours uh, because you were striving for something or was that just your excuse? In short, it was an excuse. Like in my head at the time, I thought it was a valid thing to aim for. And I, I'm not saying that it's not, but I didn't do personally what needs to be done in order to get there, right? Becoming an esports athlete is almost like any other sports. It's actually exactly like any other sports. You need to put in a lot of deliberate, very, very deliberate effort to actually get there, you know? And what I did is the exact opposite. I actually did lazy practice. I spent all day playing games um, that I was comfortable at, at the level I was comfortable at with the people, like with my friends. So I used to say that I wanted to become an esports athlete, but I didn't actually do the work to get there, right? So it was more an excuse more than anything else. And in the article, you were talking about a friend of yours who lost the uh, lost the internet connection because he didn't pay his bills, and that was that was the turning point for you because you saw it from the outside um, looking in, and you saw him his life flourish. Can you talk more about that? So my friend was also addicted to gaming, or rather, I should say, he was addicted to internet. Right? He would spend a lot more time on YouTube than I did. I was actually gaming all day long. Anyway. At some point, uh, his parents got really, really worried. Um, so they uh, used an excuse and they stopped the internet connection. They cut the internet connection from their house for a while. And it was really, really surprising. In the beginning, he actually struggled with it as expected. But then sooner rather than later, he started to actually do productive stuff. He actually started working out. He started... Um, studying again for college. He started reading nonfiction books again, uh, which we did back when we were in high school, uh, but we had stopped doing due to the gaming addiction. And um, when he got his internet connection back, he didn't stop doing that. And that was the biggest like surprise for me. The fact that I saw a person, a very, very close person of mine, my best friend, going from gaming addiction to a way more productive lifestyle in just a few weeks, like that hit me, hit me hard. And I already had my doubts. I had already had conversations with him and other people telling him like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I want to do more, but at the same time, I would just go back and play all day. So that transformation of a friend uh, really hit home with me and it led to another few hard conversations with myself, with people surrounding me and eventually I decided to stop gaming I actually went cold turkey after that one I started developing games uh, I started listening to podcasts after a while I started writing hence the article on medium that you read and that's you know that's where it started you were saying that you were um, coding games so you actually are a coder I'm, I'm correct in saying and you, you had a was mm -hmm. that your was that where you started to focus your attention on more uh, doing more productive things and being more creative yes and no so i went to college to be an electrical engineer right but i always had a love for computers for software so the moment i had the chance i specialized in software right so i am a coder uh in trade but 
I never actually practiced that as a trade, uh, apart from a small interval later on in my life. What I was fascinated with was learning, even at that point. I was the kind of person that would start learning something, would reach a decent level at it, and then drop it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, interesting. Which brings me to uh, your your blog, themetalearners.com. Um, and as I mentioned to you when I came across it, I was like, well, this is so cool. This, there's this guy who's trying to, who's learning Italian in three months and he's teaching about batching and, and different, you know, different mental modes. And can you elaborate on what actually is meta learning? Okay. So we can't talk about meta learning without talking about Tim Ferriss, in my opinion. Um, so Tim Ferriss, uh, I'm guessing everyone in the audience knows, but Tim Ferriss has one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, it's other things like some very, very successful books. And uh, the first podcast I started listening to uh, completely by chance was the Tim Ferriss show. That was way back in 2014, I think. So I started early. I was listening to it every single time an episode came out. And I got really, really invested into the idea that we can actually grow, that our Potential is not predetermined from our birth, right? And this is one of the biggest messages I've learned and heard from Tim Ferriss over and over and over again. So effectively, I got introduced to the concept of growth mindset. Uh, but where growth mindset and uh, this not predetermined potential hit home to me was with the concept of meta-learning, that effectively meta-learning means learning how to learn. And through Tim Ferriss and through his work, I found out that things I thought would take years to learn, like a foreign language, were actually something you could learn in six months, right? Or if you did it one or two times, then you could even lower that amount to three months or something. So completely fascinated by that idea, I actually went into it more and more and more. I tried to learn more about it and try to apply to different fields. And um, over time, my blog started as a way to consolidate and put out to the world what uh, I learned during these years. It's, um, it's, I actually have a very similar journey uh, to you because I too was a fan of, uh, I too am a fan of Tim Ferriss. And I remember coming across um, one of his guides of learning a language quite uh, relatively fast because at the time I was trying to surprise my girlfriend and when I understood the concepts and when I understood how to learn a language that's what actually got me involved got me interested with learning in general and meta learning and learning how to learn uh, so it's very interesting and it actually I remember when I create my, created my blog, I reached out to you and I asked the question, how do I know when to move on from one skill to another? And we had mm -hmm. this ongoing conversation, which was really interesting. And you were talking about um, that it's the gathering of mental models, which is the yeah. ultimate purpose of learning. And I thought that was such a really interesting way of thinking because here I am trying to focus on learning the skill, but you're looking at it as a more of a holistic approach and that you should be just in the process, just gathering these mental models. Can mm -hmm. you talk more about uh, about mental models and what, what you actually think about them and how they make us grow and thrive? Okay, yeah, that's a very, very good question, actually. So mental models are, let's call them rules that show us how the world works. And you can see them at, you can find them at any level of abstraction, right? There is 
the 80-20 rule, which is one of the most known mental models, which tells you that 20% of inputs are responsible for 80% of the outputs, right? So every time you learn anything, you not only learn the actual skill, but you develop mental models that you can use to apply them to different situations, right? So when I'm learning something and... I told you before, I was the kind of guy that started something, uh, started learning something, got to a decent level, and then stopped that and moved to another thing. And while it seemed that what I was doing was counterproductive and that it wouldn't take me anywhere, I started noticing that I was getting better and better at learning the next thing every single time, right? So I first heard about the concept of metal models through Tim Ferriss's work once again. And what I found out very, very early is that these metal models have transferability. So let's use a juicy example, right? You might be interested in pickup techniques, right? Pickup. We yeah, yeah, pick talking up. about pickup, picking up a, a girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, like... yeah, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm using a juicy example. <laughs> sure. So um, pickup techniques are actually human communication, right? So what you're learning when you're learning pickup techniques, and that's just an example, is psychology. So some people may approach this kind of learning as, okay, I'm going to use this line to get a girl or a guy, et cetera, et cetera, right? But I'm advocating for the fact that metal models are more important. So when you're learning pickup techniques, you're learning psychology, which you can then apply in a work situation, in a personal relationship, or anywhere else for that matter. Right, so that's just an example of a transferable mental model. And these are apparent everywhere in our lives. Everything we learn, regardless of how far we get with it, gives us mental models that we can use to apply to other stuff. And that's very, very valuable. And it also gives us an incentive to just learn what we want to learn and not what we should learn, quotes, in quotes. Yeah, I totally agree. When I asked you that question um, 18 months ago, I was... I was just in a place where I was just really fascinated uh, now that I understood how to learn and I wanted to apply that everywhere. Um, and then I realized that, yeah, I should, I want to learn things that I want to learn. Um, at the same time, I kind of need to not go crazy and take it easy and spend some time learning, you know, one certain skill, give it enough time in the deliberate learning and, uh, and, and use, you know, methods of space repetition, like you were talking about and the diffuse mode. Um, but sometimes I find that I would get bored. Uh, is that, is that wrong to that? I, I, I would want to move on from a skill. It's absolutely not wrong. Um, one of the mantras I live by is that the okay thing that you do is much better than the perfect thing that you don't. So if you try to keep going when you're bored with a skill, what you're effectively doing is inducing procrastination in your life, right? And eventually that will mean that you'll stop learning the thing that you're learning. It's becoming clear that even to the point where you've gone until now, you've learned a ton of stuff, especially mental models. And it's okay to move on to the next thing because otherwise you're probably going to just stop doing it altogether.
That's a, a, a nice way of thinking about it. You touched upon uh, the word procrastination, and I noticed in a few of your blogs, you talked about how it was procrastination that stopped you from learning, and it was one of your biggest um, barriers. Can you tell me more about your experience with procrastination and how you get over it? That's a very good and a very broad question. <laughs> I'll try to take it from somewhere. So um, let's start with this. Gaming addiction, like most addictions, is not going to appear in your life in and of itself. It's usually a symptom of something deeper, right? So even when I stopped my gaming habit and my gaming addiction, the underlying causes weren't solved just yet, you know? So what I found is that I had huge procrastination, right? Before that procrastination manifested as gaming and a gaming addiction, but then it had to manifest in other ways. So I had a very, very big problem with procrastination because I had never solved the deeper issues. And procrastination is almost always a symptom too, not just addiction, right? So for years, I tried to beat procrastination. It's a buzzword we hear all the time flying around, right? Beat procrastination, how to stop procrastinating. But what I figured out over the years is that procrastination is not something that should or can be beaten. Not only is it not exactly the enemy, it sometimes can even be a helpful thing. But what I'm saying here took me a lot of self-loathing, uh, many, many years, and a lot of self-deprecating feelings to get to, right? So what I figured out is that there were other things happening behind the scenes causing me my procrastination. Things like a very high fear of failure in my life and uh, perfectionism and, uh, you know, wanting to look good to other people like everyone does. So I had to work on those things and at the same time implement various systems to actually take control of my procrastination. And that's how I managed to rein it in and do the things I've done until today. Interesting. Can you elaborate more on the systems that you put in place? Another very, very good question. So when I'm saying systems, right, uh, I'm talking about two things. First, I'm talking about habits. Uh, we all know that habits are the go-to thing if you want to change your behavior or maintain a very good behavior, right? Uh, humans are creatures of habit after all. So the first part was finding ways to introduce good habits in my life and to stop bad habits. The reason that this works like that, why habits are so important, is a concept I first learned from Benjamin Hardy and his work, and it's called self-signaling. It's the idea that we don't necessarily know ourselves as well as we think we do, but that we figure out you know, what we think of ourselves the same way we do for other people, by our actions. So every single action that you do gives a signal to yourself. My favorite example is that of eating cookies. The moment you eat a cookie, you give a signal to yourself that you are a cookie eater. And when you eat a salad or when you do a productive thing, you give a positive self-signal to yourself. That said, habits are effectively what you do on a daily basis, right? So the habits that you have in your life self-signal to yourself constantly who you are and what you're capable of, et cetera, et cetera. So by taking control of our habits, we are taking control of our own self-signaling. So you can go from, I am a chronic procrastinator, or I uh, struggle with procrastination, or I'm a gaming addict, 
to I'm a very productive person and I'm doing what I need to do to become successful, whatever anyone's de um, definition of success is, right? To get those habits established, we need to, to simplify. And I figured out that I needed to simplify because I was thinking too complex uh, all my life. I, I also had thoughts, like you said, like, you know, being concerned whether I'm stopping things too early or too late. You know, so all these things add complexity to the system. So I figured out if I keep it simple and I um, move forward with my goals one step at a time and, you know, trust in the process, that helped a ton with uh, both the self-signaling, both with building the habits and eventually with procrastination in my life. Can you tell me an example? So let's say um, you were learning Italian and you were trying to instill the right habits to stop you from procrastinating. What did you put in to allow you to to stay consistent and to to keep focused? Okay, so some of the things I did were specific about learning a foreign language or Italian in this case. Uh, things like doing Anki every single day or using Duolingo. Things like that give us a small action to do on a daily basis that gives us the signal that, hey, I'm doing something productive. Hey, I'm moving along with my Italian learning, right? So that's the simplest way to do it. Stupid small actions, simplified actions that you can do on a daily basis. You can uh, read more about such concepts in the books Atomic Habits and Tiny Habits. I think the first one is by James Clear and the second one by BJ Fogg, if I'm not wrong. Then your question touches upon the second tier. I said that the first thing is habits uh, for changing your behavior. The second thing in my experience is forcing functions. Uh, forcing functions are otherwise called pre-commitment strategies, which means pre-committing to a behavior that you want to do, but you're afraid you won't do it in the near future, you know? So, for example, if I wanted to sit down on my computer and study Italian, I would use software like Rescue Time or Cold Turkey to block any other website. Or if my phone distracted me from actually sitting down and learning Italian or doing my work or whatever, I've been utilizing for a long time now a K-Safe to lock stuff in. And a K-Safe, in case you don't know what it is, is a box, a physical box. You can lock for a specific amount of time and you can't override it unless you break it. So I would lock my phone in and uh, I would do the work. So these kinds of forcing functions and, you know, it's all up to our imagination to think of more. Using these forcing functions helped me build the habits and the habits helped me become an increasingly better version of myself. I realize now that I actually do, the, do something very similar, especially when I'm working on my computer, because, you know, you can just go down the rabbit hole uh, especially for me, I, I get distracted so much by YouTube, I can get lost in there. And so I set myself limits. I um, And if I do access it, I can only do access it for like five to 10 minutes at a time. Um, very interesting. Uh, in terms of distractions, you, you, you touched upon your phone being a distraction, you touched upon certain software um, distracting you. Is there anything else that distracts you that takes you away from from the task at hand and and in both uh, software and in real life, what kind of practices do you implement to take you away from those distractions? Most of uh, what each person 
needs to implement, me included, is pretty much the same, right? We need to mute all notifications on our phones and uh, block very distracting websites like YouTube or Facebook. So making sure that you limit how many distractions you get in a given you know, work session or study session is the first crucial step. Only after you implement these universal things does um, personalization come in, right? So I have, you said like your thing is YouTube, right? I never, almost never get lost in YouTube, but my poison is still games. Like if I ever touch a game, I've lost a day to procrastination. Even today, I just work very hard not to touch a game throughout my workday, <laughs> right? So at that point, we can use these forcing functions personalized to ourselves and to what triggers us. And almost everyone has their own main procrastination routine. Yours is YouTube, mine is gaming, someone else's is Netflix. I noticed what you're doing there is you're stopping yourself from being distracted. And uh, there's this concept called uh, decision fatigue that I always think about. And the more decisions that you make throughout the day, the the poorer the, the decisions that you're going to make. So um, by by implementing these these barriers and implementing these um, these things to force you to stop making a decision, i.e., checking YouTube or checking um, checking Netflix, it it gives you more of a like that decision. I guess it, you're essentially it's like a the the to make a decision is essentially using like a decision muscle. So the more you use it, the uh, the more tired it gets. So. I guess by implementing all of these barriers, it allows you to focus that muscle on something that's more important. Is that is that a, something you agree on? So yes and no. And I think your question touches on very, very many different concepts. One, in a sense, I also you know practice protection from decision fatigue, right? Because for example, I'm trying to only wear black t-shirts and not have to choose what I, you know, what I put on every single day. But decision fatigue comes very close with another concept called willpower fatigue. Are you familiar? Yes. Okay, so I really love Benjamin Hardy's work uh, where he talks about how willpower doesn't work. Like willpower, uh, a force we often talk about and often put on a pedestal, is not something that works. And he very much advocates for systems and processes and forcing functions to help you actually do the work. Right, so I'm not thinking it from a standpoint of minimizing decision fatigue or willpower fatigue, but from the standpoint that these forcing functions allow me to actually do what I want to be doing at any given time. Which also means that I can commit to my behavior in multiple ways, not just with forcing functions, but for instance, with investing, right? investing money, our reputation, time. Every time we put something into a goal of ours, we commit more to actually doing it. And that's another strategy for pre-commitment. So I see this more from a standpoint of pre-commitment rather than um, minimizing fatigue. What skills are you working on right now? Because I remember we talked, um, the last time we talked, you were talking about improving your drawing skills. It's something that you've always wanted to do. Do you still draw? Are you still uh, committed to that? No, I, I pulled off uh, one of my standard <laughs> cards and you know I did it to a point. I 
became better at it and then I stopped and moved on to the next thing. That's what I always do for, especially for side stuff like this one, you know, which are not included into my main work. Sure. And so what do you have on the tables right now that you're focusing on? So now is a strange time because I'm not really committed to any learning projects per se, because I'm actually way committed to my own work. So I've actually just recently finished uh, recording a course on procrastination, which is also why I'm so keen to talk about it, uh, as you can probably tell. And I'm currently working on getting it out to the world. I'm not sure when this episode will come out compared to when we're recording this, but this is what I'm working on as we're currently speaking. And at the same time, I'm uh, a member of the leadership team in Jonathan Levy's Superhuman Academy. Uh, I'm guessing, I remember that you're familiar with his work on memory and speed reading. So between these two things, I'm uh, focused on working more than learning, but both of those endeavors, let's call them, involve a ton of learning and, uh, you know, more more business learning, marketing, uh, communication with other people, um, writing, a lot of it, and, and many other skills. And I'm being very deliberate into separating them out and actually learning. I'm not just learning them as I go, right? But I've tried very well to figure out what these skills that I need to know are, and I'm deliberately trying to learn them uh, before I actually need them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I guess it, it kind of goes full circle in what we were talking about, how you're gathering mental models. You're you're picking up different uh, yeah. ways of thinking and you're you're putting it into one to help you with your you know, your, your career and everything else. That's amazing. Um, and in terms of the, uh, procrastination, uh, project that you're working on, uh, how far are you into it right now? Well, I've written all of it. I've recorded all of it. And right now it's uh, going through video editing by a professional team of video editors. And at the same time, I'm working on the marketing of it for the launch and, uh, beyond so this is where we are at right now lovely yeah i'm i'm intrigued I, I would love to 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 once it's out i'd love to get more information about it and push it forward so in terms of where we can find you do you want to let everyone know yeah so uh the best place to find me would be on my uh, blog themetalearners.com just in case someone in your audience is greek i'm running uh one of the biggest greek podcasts and the biggest one in the self-improvement space called the Brain Hacking Academy. Unfortunately, it's in Greek, so it's not applicable to everyone. I actually tried listening to it. Uh, as I said earlier, that I was trying to get the full pronunciation of your name. I, it was it was so difficult to understand. But it's uh, yeah, it's actually quite a successful podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're doing pretty good. Um, you know, Greece doesn't have too many podcasts. Uh, we're not the first and we're not the only ones by a long shot, but there are not that many uh, podcast. So we started early. We've been going for way more than a year now. Um, so that has played a big role in uh, having a success, having success, you know, and then I like to believe that the content is good, but I may be a little biased. <laughs> well, I can assure you your content on the meta learners is good. So if it's anything similar to that, I'm sure it's even better. 
Um, but Demetrius, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for coming onto the podcast um, and just talking about mental modes and the way you think and, and decision fatigue. I, I realize how calculated you are and how um, methodical you are. It's very inspirational and it's something I would like to, to emulate myself in my own learning journey. Yeah, uh, before we go, like I think that this comes largely from my experience with uh, computers and coding. Uh, it's actually one of the biggest reasons people advocate for getting coding into school curriculums because it helps develop a more algorithmic kind of thinking. And uh, it's a part of me that I really take pride in and I you know, really enjoy being so methodical, although I sometimes tend to get a little weird. Let's not go into that. <laughs> You know what? I think you should embrace it. Um, uh, similar to you, I too have, you know, implemented a strict schedule for myself with, and I, uh, I enforce barriers. And a lot of people would make fun of me of how strict and regiment my schedule was. And I realized, you know what? This it's this schedule that is allowing me to be, to blossom, allowing me to learn, allowing me to be productive. So I I'm proud of the way I am. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way, man. I, I couldn't have said it better. Let's leave it as that. And Demetrius, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Joshua. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking more with you in the future. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you want to find all the relevant links and show notes, you can find them all over at galleyway.blog forward slash podcast. Thanks again, and I will see you on the next one.